Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Andrew Whitkin with me. Andrew is the founder of StickerU. StickerU provides the best platform in the world to create custom products that make you stick. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, George. Great to be here with you. Thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate it. Let's talk about starting StickerU. I believe you started it in 2008. What were you doing prior to starting StickerU? What is your business background? Uh, my background was uh, a mix, probably about 15 years of um, licensing, consumer product marketing, and brand management. Um, so I worked for two different companies. One uh, in Canada, it's called Chorus Entertainment, where uh, I headed up the licensing uh, for North America for consumer products of our, our entertainment characters. And then um, shortly thereafter that, I went to a company called Mega Brands, uh, a big competitor to Lego. And uh, we I, there I did brand management of a lot of their toy lines, headed up the marketing and also the uh, the licensing in, in, internally at Mega Brands. And, and I think those experiences probably shaped you know, maybe some of the vision eventually that uh, came to fold at Sticker U. So how long were you thinking about starting some kind of a business before starting Sticker U? Did it just come to you at a spur of a moment or were you thinking about it for years? What, what was that like? Well, I think uh, I probably would divide it into two aspects. I think throughout my business career prior to Sticker U, I was more the entrepreneurial type of, you know, business marketer, uh, brand manager if you will, um, within other big businesses. So I, um, I think I always had a, um, a desire to grow businesses. Um, and you get a lot of learning when you're at other, other businesses along those lines. And at a certain point, you, you kind of collect enough experience that um, I think there was certain trends that I saw in the market that got me really excited. And that started... For example, what were some of those trends? Well, for us, you know, as a, a lot of my career was also was watching, uh, you know, kids actually uh, customize their toys. And uh, when, I, when I started to take a look beyond kids, I noticed that really the, the entire consumer market today, or even five, you know, six years ago, was starting to evolve whereby people weren't just buying ready-made products as much anymore. People were starting to buy customized products that they could in influence themselves by, you know, as a way of example, um, many people don't do traditional photo albums anymore where you develop your pictures and then put them in an album. You, you know, you might go to Shutterfly, upload your photos, add text and backgrounds and design an entire photo book. And so I think by looking at the way kids played and then all of a sudden the way adults were starting to buy products, I could see that the youth movement was going to push that trend further and faster. And so between that and then just the accessibility of images because of technology and, and the internet, uh, whether it be Google images or photo from phones, it's just all of a sudden people had so much more access to imagery that was important to them. Um, I think those two trends along with finally then going out and researching more about what was happening in the um, production technology world in terms of being able to make how people were making these customized products. When I saw all those th three trends around me, I, I got kind of really excited that that is the future, gr biggest growth area of consumer products. And obviously, you know, seeing the, the World Wide Web, I, I realized that, you know, having something that was back-ended and 
and either creatable and then orderable through the web was was probably um, a big, big trend I wanted to capitalize on. So did you quit your job before starting Stickery or how did you transition from employee to entrepreneur? That's a great question. You know, I was in a situation where I actually, when I was in Montreal, I uh, had started a family and uh, my kids were two and four. And I just sort of hit a, a wall where at a, at a certain point, I think my wife and I were in Europe, and um, it just dawned on me one day that uh, that something was not right in our lives. And the main thing that sort of stuck upon me was that we wanted, I wanted to move back to Toronto from Montreal. Uh, I wanted to be closer to my parents, my sister, her kids, my friends. Uh, I'd been away for six years, and it just seemed like my kids were getting older and th- they weren't connecting as much with the people that we were we were most connected to. And so... I made a value-based decision that said, regardless of what happens in my career where I'm working, I'm moving back to Toronto. And fortunately, my employer was at the time okay with it, that I could move back to Toronto and still work with them. Um, once I was in Toronto, I think it became apparent that they actually needed me in Montreal. And I was further uh, confident that that was not, not what I wanted to do again. And so it was, it was fortunate because we actually were able to cut a deal that allowed me to still get paid for a little bit of time. And in that, uh, I would then stop working for them and I could actually pursue my own ideas and what I wanted okay. to do. And so it was there that I started to really do a deep dive into, you know, formulating um, the business okay. that I stick you. So how did you get the idea for stickers? What, what inspired you? Well, I mean, I, so I had this, you know, I, I like the trend out there and I think what happens is you know naturally you look at well what is being done today in the, in the customization world of products um, that is maybe not as good as it could be because there were some great you know photo albums and mugs and t-shirts were starting to be done quite rapidly across um, different websites uh, and when I looked at the sticker category one I was always enamored by it I remember actually at the time I was um, doing some business in, in uh, LA and I uh, was in um, Venice Beach, and I noticed how how sort of ubiquitous you know custom die cut sticker culture was to everything around me, from stickers being slapped on in mailboxes to skateboards to shops, and I, I just fell in love with it. And and it was there that I kind of realized that on the customization world uh, online, everything was actually what you would call today being like template based production. So. You could do a two inch by two inch round sticker. You could do a bumper sticker. But, you know, these were all set templates that you had to work your images in. Uh, If you had, by way of example, a uh, Harley Davidson logo with the wingtips, the sticker wouldn't be that based on what you could make online. Uh, You had to go to a traditional printer for that and potentially invest in a die or have a much larger expense to, to do custom stickers. And so there I saw a void because I kind of felt that the sticker market was so ubiquitous. Everyone loves stickers. It's actually a very happy product. And yet it's very functional when you actually break down all the different areas of it from, you know, packaging labels to swag giveaway stickers to, um, you know, anything. Uh, So um, from there, I just kind of got uh, enamored by the idea of, well, what if you could then create a platform online and make die cut stickers, uh, which would be considered to be more of the best type of quality sticker in the world, and um, and then build an interface that allows people to actually uh, order that in extraordinarily low quantities, as, as little as one. So was there no other company that offered this online? Or, I mean, how did you want to improve that whole process of getting custom die-cut stickers? Yeah, I, I, yeah the, answer, the short answer to that is in the way in which we envisioned it, no, no one had been doing it. Um, you know, there were some more antiquated, you know, printers that would have a 
website and say, yes, we can do die cut stickers. You know, uh, here is our pricing. Send us your file. We'll take the file. We'll make a die cut of it. We'll send it back to you by email. You can, re- you know, and it would be a very long process, um, very, um, t- very touch oriented. And of course, sort of more of a nine to five uh, hours of the day uh, availability to you. We really wanted to create an interface that took a lot of that touch away and, and really became something that was empowering to you 24-7. So um, an interface that if you literally would wanted to z- design a sticker using our interface and type text and add images, it would create your own die cut sticker on the fly. Um, and then also if you wanted to upload an image, you could see that uh, image die cut right away. And, and um, that had never been done before. Um, and and um, even to this day, it actually has not been done um, in that in that format. There's still as template-based models out there. So um, uh, I, I, is I it reference- very difficult to do? Why do you think? Because I mean, usually there is a site, something that is successful, and then there is a hundred knockoffs within a few months, right? So why do you think there aren't more of these types of companies? Well, um, yeah, I would have through through my own experience, I could uh, definitively say it is um, it is difficult technology to build. Um, a lot of advanced math and geometry goes into creating um, a file that is both image-based and die-cut based that can get sent to printers. Uh, and and um, when we embarked upon it, I think that was one of the key differentiators that we knew was going to be a great, a better, make a better product for the end customer, but also be something that we ourselves had risk in, um, in doing because it had not been done before. And so, uh, you know, one of the initial challenges, of course, once you sort of come up with a business plan, I had to raise some funds to hire, you know, a technology team to try to build this and prove that it could actually work. So, so you got some angels, or did you got some venture money? Uh, how how did you did you what kind of money did you raise? So we raised about a half a million dollars, and uh, it was basically an angel round, um, no VCs. Uh, but, but various people, some people I knew, some people who had, I'd been introduced to from people I knew. Um, and, and I guess, uh, uh, you know, ideally people like the business plan, but knew that this money was, you know, really kind of funding the, uh, the, the prototype, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, the and, technology uh, pretty much most, did, did most of that money go into the technology, uh, as you described it earlier? Yeah. I mean, in the sense mm-hmm. of, you know, um, software talent uh, that you have mm-hmm. to, you know, hire to build. Yeah, absolutely. The majority of it was completely for that. Um, okay. And, and yeah, and so that was the investment. And luckily, uh, about eight months later, we were able to uh, not burn out all our cash, but actually come back with a, a real a product that could work. And so um, that, that precipitated our investor base to doing a second round. And, and we collected, we were able to raise, um, uh, about a million dollars in the next round to be able to actually build out an entire website to support this. Was it difficult to find investors? Uh, you know, I think it's always a it's always a, a process, uh, and it's a long and it's a hard process. Whether inevitably you do or don't have the, those investors, I think everyone goes through a, a, that process where it's it's a bit difficult. But I, I think if you um, if you've got a sound business plan and you're confident in it, um, you know. And investors can see the vision for it and what you're and, and you know what you have built to prove you know part of that evolution being. Re- um, I think it you know it, it, it can be done. And so um, I was I was fortunate enough to have good angels that you know were able to you know come back in on a second round. We expanded the the angel network to about you know twice the number of investors on the second round. 
Um, but yeah, I wouldn't. I would say that no matter who you are and what your idea is, it's always a, it's always a hard process. You know, the connection is really starting to go bad. Do you have anything running in the background, maybe on your computer, uh, that could chew up bandwidth like Google Drive or Dropbox or something uh, like that, or maybe just email? Do you have your email open that constantly like pops uh, and eats up the bandwidth? I just closed, I just closed my email. Uh, okay. If that helps, yeah. Is that uh, any better, George? Yeah, I mean it's it, it's it goes it comes and goes, you know. But the the last uh, answer you gave was like you know we we could hear like ninety percent of it, but the ten percent we we didn't. So let's see how this goes. Okay. So sure. uh, let's talk about what kind of market research have you done prior to to starting Sticker U. Uh, did you do anything formal or you just had a really good feeling uh, about this business? Uh, talk about that a little bit. So, um, you know, it was a, it was, sure. Uh, you know, in terms of market research, it was a combination of uh, trying to analyze the, the sticker market. Uh, but, you know, the, the interesting thing about the sticker market is that there are, it's fragmented into many different types of markets. So, uh, a label that that you know goes onto packaging is a label, even though it's still a sticker. Um, stickers that are for your kids that you buy at retail with rainbows and unicorns, uh, that's a different market than you know um, a business that's you know ordering vinyl die cut stickers for their swag. And you don't really have a lot of great statistics out there for each of these sectors, albeit the label market was probably much more um, uh, buoyant in terms of rich information to pull from. So. We had to do some uh, non-traditional research, uh, interviews with people, leaders in certain industries to kind of gather what I thought was de decent in intel on the market. And, uh, and ultimately, I was kind of trying to literally combine about five different markets that this business could ultimately compete in uh, to shape sort of where the, 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 you know, the opportunity lay. Um, so it was a bit of gut. It was a bit of, you know, um, you had to kind of extend the numbers and then you also had some real data to pull from, but it was, it was a mixture. So let's talk about some of the adjustments that you had to make based on your gut feelings and your initial research and then starting the business and then running it in the early, early years. Uh, did you have any assumptions that were wrong that you had to kind of pivot? Uh, yeah, we definitely made a few. I mean, there was a few assumptions we made that were, um, I think, incorrect in the sense that um, because of my history, I really had a good sense for the youth market and the kid market. Uh, and I certainly felt that there was no reason why our platform wouldn't be very creative and uh, enticing for youth to make their own custom stickers. Um, so we built it to be extraordinarily creative um, in terms of the power of what it could do for you. And there was some, you know, Photoshop-like features that you could you could utilize to make some really cool and, and, and colorful stickers. Um, but what happened was once we had launched it, uh, the small business market was actually one of our biggest uh, customer bases. Uh, and we quickly also realized, you know, lesson number one on the web is that uh, you know, a 13-year-old skateboarder actually doesn't have a visa or a lot of disposable income. <laughs> so we um, we quickly found that that was going to be a smaller part of our business and that ultimately we had to look at this small business market and start to say, well, why are they excited about this? And is this platform proper for them? And and the the underlying technology was pretty good, but the user interface was certainly a lot more geared to someone younger and, you know, was there to have make some fun personalized stickers, not necessarily 
you know, fulfill a, an immediate business need that you wanted to get in and check out quickly. And so we had to refine the interface. We also found that we built it on Flash, which at the time in 2008, when we were, uh, well, 2008, 2009, it, it seemed appropriate. But, you know, quickly with the advent of uh, HTML5, a few years later, we realized that that was already antiquated, uh, the Flash-based build. And so we needed to already pivot there. So, you know, taking customer insights in terms of their user experience and what they wanted in the tool and the underlying technology, we, we obviously have pivoted a few times. Um, it didn't take anything away from the original business plan that said there was a massive market opportunity for what we were building because we looked at what we were building as being universally appealing depending on how you wanted to stand out, whether it was personal or even if it was, you know, for your brand. But we, we did have a bias initially that it was going to be more youthful and, and inevitably it's, um, it, there, there's a real pragmatic side to what it serves, and, and now we've, I think, addressed that a lot better. So how do you make a decision as, as the leader of your, your company when to pivot? You know, what, what to ignore and what to pay attention to in terms of feedback from your market? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I think, I think you, um, you, you combine uh, a little bit of gut, probably about a third gut, 40% gut, and about 60 to 70% real data. Um, and because what happens is you start to get, you know, a number of customers, and then those customer experiences are really the truth that tells you what is right and what's not right, and, and, and also what people want and what they value. And so we found that, you know, if we got one piece of feedback on something, we would, we would note it. Um, if we started to get multiple feedbacks of something similar, um, we would take it very seriously and then start to look at that compared to other things we were seeing uh, and prioritize accordingly. Um, I would just try to do a gut check to actually sometimes reach out to certain customers and really try to delve deeper into what they were asking for to make sure that we, we built something or, or pivoted or, or added a new feature to the site that was, in fact, what they wanted. Um, maybe more of a, I was more of a validator, but I, I try to let the, the, the data and, and even some of our sales and marketing team with feedback with customers, uh, really try to guide where we were going to evolve Sticker U2. And how did you get your first customers? Um, you know, <laughs> you launch a website, and, and, and when I say that, I mean, that's like a year of building something, and it's, uh, it, all, it always gets delayed, and, and we finally went live. And, I, you know, I think like anything, you send out a massive email to every person under the sun you know, and it's, uh, it's a rather passionate one because, you know, you've just put so much into this and it's such a different venture. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's ultimately how we started. I mean, we all, everyone, I think we had about seven people or eight people, maybe nine at the time when we launched. And so I think everyone, you know, told every one of their friends and um, uh, that sort of started Sticker U. And maybe the first day we had a few hundred visitors at best. Um, but uh, like anything, I think if you start to create something that is that has some utility, uh, people on the web are apt to telling other people about it. And and and, and obviously, you, it takes also a few years to start to get a more significant traction, even with Google, uh, uh, when it comes down to like organic search and you know search optimization. But but that was the starting point was really you know friends and family, like a press release on day one or anything like that. We. My sure. question is. What were the most effective marketing channels when you started out, and has that changed uh, now over the years? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think, uh, you know, initially one of the things we did was we actually had built a widget for our uh, platform whereby 
the sticker you application, that being where you could actually go upload a logo and design a sticker, was a widget that could actually go on third-party third-party content-oriented uh, websites. So, for example, we had a little mini Batman sticker maker on a Batman website, and uh, the same went for a scrapbooking website and stuff like that. Um, and that was actually a, a decent driver of traffic. Uh, we even did an implementation with Miniclip for avatars. Um, but interestingly enough, we found that it didn't convert very well because a lot of people who were then, uh, you know, making cool stickers in the end thought of it almost like a game. And so they didn't really kind of expect in the end that they actually would have to then pay for stickers and, and with their credit card. And so we, um, we found that that strategy actually was not as good as just people who did a link to StickerU and we would build a Batman sticker maker at StickerU and then people then could find out about shipping and quality of product and all that other information. And, and so we went more towards a link in strategy than a widget strategy. Um, and in addition to that, we, we, um, as we built a better and better tool, we found that that um, we got better at search. We had, because the platform could actually do so many different types of products from CD labels to wine labels. Um, Hi. Hi. Okay, Hello? I need to, yeah, can you hear me? Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Hello? Hello? George? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can I you do. hear me? I Hello? Do. Yes, I can, yes. Okay, I need to redial because my, uh, the I recording is going to stop, so I'm just going to redial and then we'll continue, okay? What What were the most effective marketing channels when you started StickerU and has that changed over the years? Uh, with respect to marketing channels, when we first started StickerU, we thought one of the um, innovative ways to market the company was to allow um, third-party websites that had rich content to have a sticker maker on their website. So we forged a deal with uh, a Batman website, and we got the license for you know DC Comics, and uh, people could make uh, Batman stickers, custom Batman stickers on their website. And so we actually built a widget that was our that was our sticker making tool itself, but not the rest of the website uh, that could go onto a third party website. And um, we did a lot of those. We did a scrapbooking one. We did a Ghostbusters one. Uh, and what we found is that um, is kind of uh, we thought it was a great idea, but we actually found that the user behavior was such that when they would make their stickers on these websites, they got to the point where they then all of a sudden had to let's say buy them and check out. And they didn't have all that surround information that a normal website provides you, such as you know how long it takes to do shipping and uh, more information on who Sticker U is. And so we found the conversion rate very low um, as compared to websites that actually would link into Sticker U and we would create a landing page to Sticker U about their, their content and people could make stickers at Sticker U and check out. Um, we found that converted much better. So we had to change our strategy from trying to do all these widget deals which also took a long time to implement to simply more, a more simplified landing page deal that the content rested on our website. Um, so that was one thing that changed in our marketing strategy. And um, the other thing is really that we started to realize that as the platform was so much more powerful for doing other products, uh, from CD labels to wine labels, to custom die cut stickers, to packaging labels, um, 
uh, we found that actually there was a lot of landing pages on our website that represented those products and that Google search was becoming a bigger and bigger um, funnel for us in terms of driving customers to our website. So um, we pursued that a lot harder. We pursued affiliate uh, marketing uh, more considerably than, than in the first, let's say, you know, six to 12 months. Um, and, and I think they, today, have still been some of the biggest drivers of traffic into our website. Um, you know, just, we've got you know, some deals with like Bauer Hockey where people go from their website to our website and they can make their own custom decals for their hockey helmets. Um, we've got a jam, a mason jar company called Bernardin that, you know, many moms make jam jar labels. Uh, they come from their website to our website and they have an interface that suits the, the, the mason jars that they buy from them. So that's, that, that has, um, I guess, evolved on some levels for us and it's, um, you know, still Social media has become a bigger part of what we do because we can really inspire people with a lot of ideas behind how they can use our platform there. And um, it's very engaging. And it, it also, of course, gets more word of mouth from them if they like our ideas um, to tell their friends about it. So um, I think that's definitely evolved uh, much more in the last couple of years. So do you have an idea of what percentage of your business is word of mouth? I can't say I could put a real number, I mean, an official number on that, but... Um, you know, I, I know that ultimately when we, um, when we do have intercepted customers, uh, I'd say about 20% find out about us from, you know, friends and colleagues that tell them about us. And uh, 20 to 25%, and then about 70 to 75% is through, you know, whether it be affiliate marketing, third-party websites, Google search, that type of stuff. How effective is affiliate marketing for, for your business? You know, I think it has a role because, um, you, know, it just, you know, it always depends on affiliates. I mean, we define affiliates two ways. One are there, there are content affiliates like Bauer Hockey, I said before, and Bernardin. Uh, and then there are sort of more discount deal type affiliates. And I would even put like a living social group on, uh, you know, a lot of those um, affiliate discount websites that provide promo, promo codes to people as another channel. Um, and they're, I think they're important from a trial standpoint. I mean, I think you, you use that as a, as a way in which people can trial your service for a little bit less cost. And, um, you know, as long as you don't, you have to change that up, though, so that people don't go back to that all the time and depend on getting their discounts. Uh, you want them to kind of use, you want to be able to provide that sporadically um, as a benefit to people and, and as a bonus to, to, real, to existing customers. Um, but it, it, it does play a role, for sure, in our, in our marketing um, you know, strategy. So what are you doing to drive traffic to your site? Is, um, is organic search a big part of your uh, marketing? Yeah, I think it definitely is. And I, I say that because I think ultimately what we've realized in our platform is that it is, um, you know, if you're running a small business, there are a lot of things that you're doing on a day-to-day -day level to make that business successful. Um, where you get your labels for some of your products or, or your custom stickers becomes an intermittent need when you need it. And so when you think about that, um, you're not really that receptive to hearing a message about stickers from somebody all the time, but when you need it, you really need it, and what do you do? You often search for it because you don't necessarily top of mind know where the best place to go is. Um, so we, we, um, we balance the fact that there are a lot of users out there who when they need um, you know, the, the custom die-cut stickers or custom labels, or we've, been invent, we've also been the first in the world to invent uh, a platform where you can make your own custom temporary tattoos, um, again, in, in quantities of as little as one. 
so that type of uh, experience is something that we really want to, you know, allow people to find via search. But we also now are using more video uh, via YouTube and um, uh, content websites that showcase video, as well as a lot of social media, to just randomly inspire people by what you can do. So you may not have the need right away, but we want to put something in front of you that is very engaging and entertaining and inspiring so that you notice and when the need does come up, um, or we might actually stimulate an idea more faster for you, then, then later on they'll come back to us. So it's, it's a bit of a hybrid, I guess you could say. So which social uh, – I'm sorry, were you saying something? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 I, I finished. Yeah, so which which social channels are the most effective for you? I think for us, we find, I think Facebook and Pinterest are probably the two biggest ones. Um, you know, YouTube, if you consider it also a social network of sorts, uh, is great for obviously video. But I think in terms of uh, conversion and, um, you know, being able to target customers and whatnot, I think Pinterest is very inspiring. We get a lot of DIY uh, women to our website who make, for example, for their uh, wedding um, party favors and wine labels that are customized. And uh, Pinterest is a great environment because when we want to inspire people, that's a fantastic environment for that. Um, we Certainly Facebook is the biggest social network, and we do find that it has um, a significant role in, in, in obviously people being able to see through their newsfeed um, unique ideas that we can share with them. Um, and, and obviously that they could share themselves. So for us, those two are probably the most prominent ones that we uh, that we work with right now. How many orders do you process in a year? Um, thousands. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of we, we process a lot of orders. Um, it's uh, it's definitely in the in the high thousands. Okay. How many stickers is that? Is it the millions? I mean, uh, you mentioned that, that you know you it's a big big uh, it's a big point that people can order just one of your uh, die cut stickers, but is that pretty average? Or because you also mentioned the small business part of your business. Yeah, I mean, so the the, the real great point of differentiation is that as a as a business, you might have a time when you need just ten stickers for some little mini event that you're doing, or or some signage for your store. Um, or you're actually an entrepreneur and you're trying a new product and you just want like 40 labels for this new flavor and you want to see if it works. So certainly people can order on the low end there. And then, of course, it, it scales up, though, because if when you need 500 or 1,000 or a few thousand of, um, of a sticker, then obviously we can provide that also. So, you know, a averaging it out, we probably do, you know, around 10 million stickers in a year, mm -hmm. um, including, you know, labels and what have you. Um, and, and that can run, you know, sometimes someone might order, you know, well into the thousands, and then some people are just ordering 10 or 20. Wow. Uh, can you share a mistake that turned into a really good learning experience that would really help uh, my audience as well? Uh, if you could share sure. maybe something that was like, you know, maybe it didn't look great at the time, but it was a really started as a good learning experience for you. I think if I look back, there's one thing that always stands out, which is the uh, you know, it was the classic, we had pre-interpreted who our target market was, that being kind of youth, and we built a platform to be appealing to them. Um, in hindsight, you know, you learn more about iterative, you know, development as you go through these things. And um, we, in, in hindsight, I think I would have started the, uh, the, the build being more about 
uh, a small little area on our website where you can upload a, a file, and we can allow you to make a sticker of that, and you check out. Uh, you didn't have text tool, you didn't have colored backgrounds, you didn't have all these images you could add. Um, not that that isn't now a big part of our business, it is, but if I think about all the time and money and energy that went into the first build that was trying to do so many things for people creatively, I would have scaled that all the way back to one simple little thing and, and then grew it out from there. Uh, I think that, in hindsight, was probably our biggest uh, mistake. But, you know, we, we did it with the, with the right intent, but we, uh, I, would, I would do that differently if I did it again. Okay. I just have a couple of more questions. Uh, do you have time for that? I know we're probably over the 30-minute sure. mark. Um, no, no, it's fine. You know, most most businesses fail, unfortunately, and, and especially they fail during the first couple of years in business. So uh, this question has to do with that. What is the most important thing for an entrepreneur to focus on during the first one year of being in business? What do you think they should spend most of their time on? Uh <clears throat> You know, I think every business is a little different, so I don't know if it's universal, but I do think that when you are doing a, a new business, a startup of sorts, I mean, ultimately, the business is going to sink or swim. Uh, there's a lot of variables that can affect you. I mean, how much capital you have, the right people, those are all big, big variables. But at the core of everything you do is the value proposition of the product or service. And is what you're charging for what you're producing uh, against what it costs you to produce it, is that differential uh, valuable to people enough to pay, you know, the, the price that you think it's worth? Um, and I think ultimately you've got to constantly be focused on when, where, how, and in what form does your product or service uh, best meet your customer's need and how you ought continually um, mold the product and service to what that is. Um, and, I, and I think staying focused on that and not getting lost in a lot of other distractions uh, is so important. Um, and, I, and, I, and so I would say that that would be for us or any entrepreneur, I think, very fundamental to what um, – and, and I actually believe the CEO and the, or the, the founder – is probably in a, in, a, in a very passionate, good position to be monitoring that because they probably had the initial idea in the first place as to why it would be valuable. Um, and, and hopefully you can then, of course, inspire a team to, you know, uh, come on board to want to build something that you think, you know, is, is going to be something very valuable to people and, and, and they all have a, a big role in that. But somebody's got to ultimately be, be evaluating is this, you know, collectively, universally, as, a, as an entire brand or product service, is it delivering to people the value that you need long-term to make this thing a successful business? Because um, if it's not, you're, you're going to be kind of going down the wrong path. And so you might want to – you really need to focus on that, uh, you know, right from the start, and especially in the first year where you're getting a lot of raw data to, to, to help kind of guide you as to whether or not you've made – Good, good decisions or bad, or, or, or certainly can you, you know, pivot in time to um, rectify what you may have erroneously thought. Okay. What is the best advice you have ever received, either personal or business? Um, the best advice I've ever received in personal business. I would say the one thing that somebody once said was, what are the most important values that you bring to a business? in terms of how you 
conduct yourself and what is the most important thing people need around you. Um, and I think vision and leadership is huge. Um, but I actually, I, someone once said to me that the most important thing you can do with everything you do is um, honesty. And uh, I 100% subscribe to it because, um, you know, I think everyone around you depends on a sense of transparency. You know, you always hear about big companies, the problem is the politics, and everyone's got their own agenda. And it, it, it's very disruptive when people don't feel like they completely know in a grounded way where they stand and what they're trying to do. It's hard enough when you're competing out there and you're trying to really be, you know, great um, to do that. But to not be candid and honest about where you are and how people are performing and, um, I mean, you, you want to be positive and that you also need to be pragmatic and honest. And, and, and I find that uh, the more I've gotten older and heeded that advice, I've realized that people really appreciate that. And uh, good or bad, sometimes they really appreciate knowing that you're going to give them the honest story of what you think. Um, and, and they can, it's amazing how well they can, they can build off of that as opposed to things not always being so clear and transparent where it, it creates a lot of uh, uncertainty and I, and I think it just makes you very, as a company, it can make you very inefficient and, and it can be toxic. Well, Andrew, I, I want to thank you <clears throat> excuse me, for coming on uh, Success Harbor to share the story of Sticker U with our audience. How can people find, more, find out more about either you or Sticker U? Uh, well, first of all, it was a pleasure uh, speaking with you, George. Um, you asked great questions, and <laughs> I like your show. Thank you. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, you can go to – it's simple. You can go to StickerU, that's Y-O-U.com, and um, you can see everything and experience for yourself what it's like to be able to make your own custom die-cut uh, product that, that makes you stick. Um, there's a lot of inspiration there. Hopefully the tool is very easy for you. And um, I find that when you do that, it's actually a fun experience when you start to see what you can create. Um, and so I would, uh, I would encourage everyone to try it because it's, um, it's, it's, it's quite addictive when you start to see the possibilities. So everybody out there, check out StickerU.com. That's StickerYOU.com. Andrew, thank you, and I wish you much luck and much success with StickerU going forward. Hey, thank you very much, George. Stay in touch. Thank you.